Hi everybody, welcome to another podcast on Trechnobabble. This is Matthew. And this is Kevin. And we're going to do the, I don't know what you'd call this, I suppose it's the conclusion of one arc, but not the whole thing, um, the whole war story, but it's the conclusion of the season six opening arc, Sacrifice of Angels. Uh, I remember, uh, like, I, I think I'm on record as saying I, I, I like uh, pretty much everything about this opening arc, except for that weird foray into uh, the unnecessary uh, catch-up on Alexander's story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, everything else was just... I, it, it's a little hard to quantify my intrigue and delight at the time, because I feel like, and we were talking about this before we started, like, there's a lot more dramas out there now that do serialized stories, that try to have lasting consequences, that don't just try to resolve the, the, the plot within, um, you, you know, uh, the, the single episode. What, that was just way less prevalent, um, especially in science fiction, especially in uh, anything not like, you know, a cop procedural um, in terms of what drama was on TV at the time. So, like, it really felt like, holy shit, like, like, just knowing they weren't going to take the station back in the season premiere was yeah. like huge. That's like, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing that. And it was great. It was, it really put a lot of characters through the ringer in a way that was just fun to watch. Yeah, you know, actually, come to think of it, I can't really name another show from the 80s or 90s that really tried anything similar. I did not watch Babylon 5, so maybe you can tell me whether or not Babylon 5 does the same thing. But It, it tried. I would, I would say it succeeded much less... In, um, it, it succeeded much more intermittently um, than Deep Space Nine. But I will, I, I will refrain on this occasion from uh, airing my grievances about that show. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's interesting having now come to this you know, sort of conclusion of the opening arc that it does seem like it's more than the sum of its parts because the parts taken individually are just kind of like, yeah, that was pretty good. You know, or like, eh, I see what they're doing, <laughs> you know, but it hasn't been, it seems like there hasn't been a, a yesterday's enterprise, you know, a, a best of both worlds, uh, you know, sort of like huge blow, you know, big punch, big explosive, thing um you know it's like they've got these themes and they're working on the themes and they're interesting themes and uh but each individual episode has just kind of been pretty good at least that's that's the sense i'm getting from it yeah every, every episode's been solid but you're right together there's a sweep and a scope and and other synonyms for those words but there, there's like a breadth and depth to the drama because they've managed to cover both the like broad political scope of the war the intimate personal consequences of the war on both both on and off the station that if nothing else what they succeeded in doing was the hardest thing of all which is giving the dominion war a sense of a real war because like it, it's one thing to read about world war ii where you you hit the highlights the big battles the big changes but when you think about well, every day people just woke up and some of them had to go to work and some of them had to go to war. And like, there's a, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here. There's a quality to that lived in experience 
that gets well, lost. Like Cinema Verite or Slice of Life. Yeah, yeah. so like putting the, all of those stories over several episodes really gives it the sense of a real, actual, real world event. I, I agree with that to a degree. Um, why don't we start the episode and we can talk over the recap. Um, so I believe we're both queued up. And we should all press play together, oh, along oh, with my, the listeners. My, my Netflix is misbehaving. Oh, okay. Well. So, and, oh, there we go. Uh, okay. Let me just pull up. Funny, it just reset me to uh, Emissary. I don't know why I did that. Mm, that's quite a jump. Must be the profits that were. Seriously, Cisco with the hair, it's freaking me out. All right, now I'm ready. All right, so we will press play together. In three, two, one, press play. So, I mean, I agree to a degree that they're making an effort to make the, the war feel real. However, I do feel like they've missed some opportunities with some of the characters. Like, I mean, I'm sure very few people would expect someone to say this, but I kind of wish there were more Jake Sisko. Um, because he's the civilian character. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Or maybe, like, check in with uh, Keiko and Molly on Earth or something. Yeah, what the hell are they doing with themselves? That would be a terrific note. <laughs> you know, it's like, where's Daddy? I don't know. Like, if they, had they dropped Alexander and told, given Rosalind Chow, like, 45 minutes to do, like, um, like sitting waiting for a message from Miles worrying what's happening to him well Gotham. that would be a great episode telling the war story through messages from Miles you know he's summarizing things she's waiting for it you know Earth is going through another sort of security scare whatever you know yeah. it's like there are definitely ways to do that <clears throat> and I feel like they miss some of those opportunities you know and some of the scenes of the Starfleet stuff have been very sort of point A to point B, pro forma, you know, just like, well, we need this story beat here. So I feel like the actual hard-boiled war stuff we're going to get in later stories, and actually we got one in the earlier story, right, with Jake Sisko in the field hospital. Um, so... You know, I'm, I'm just sort of ambivalent. It's like, I appreciate the scope, but I feel like they haven't filled in some of the the areas on the page. I, 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 I get that, and I appreciate that. I will say, a uh, comment you made, um, I think, in our last review about the uh, number and closeness of the starships. I appreciate that they are, and having just seen like eight shots of it, I get it. It's like... I like that they are trying to include a bunch of ships to give the war some scale, some scale, but they do look super close together. On a galact, like in terms of three dimensional space, they are like right on top of each other. Like yeah. the Blue Angels don't fly that close. Just how do they fire at anything? With, I mean, do, does the computer compensate for that? You know, there's actually a line of dialogue in this episode where they kind of hang a lantern on that, uh, a lamp or a lampshade, but. You know, yeah, it's, there are several scenes in this particular episode where there's like two giant fleets just sort of sitting there, and 
I don't know. We, we can talk about it when we get to there. How do you feel about canon to the left of them and the right of them? And... Uh, it's... I can hear Ron Moore's writing. I can, yeah. <laughs> it's, this is a very Ron Moore thing to do. Uh, okay, I'll say it this way. They didn't do it with too straight a face, having Nog be like, can you can you stop that? Like, that levels yeah, out the I like scene. that Nog tells him to shut up. You know, I've said this before, and I feel I must say it again. What the hell is Bashir doing on the bridge? He really should be in sickbay. I agree. Okay, so they've got fighters, and the fighters are going after the Cardassian ships. Um, I feel like having attack fighters is kind of a... It's a weird thing for me with Star Trek. Yeah, no, I, you know? I agree. And it's weird because you catch that they're the Maquis Raiders. Yeah. Like, did they put those into mass production or something? Like, Well, my understanding was that the Maquis Raiders were some sort of repurposed Federation ship, you know? Mm. They, they, like, some sort of light craft that they had on colonies that they, I don't know, souped up or something. Um, it's just every other battle we've seen has been the sort of run silent, run deep, you know, naval thing. Yeah. And this is a very sort of Air Force-y kind of thing. Uh, and it, it feels almost totally inappropriate. Now, they don't give us like a bunch of cockpit views of these people, you know. So it's not like they totally switched gears. Yeah. It's just, uh, it sticks out. I mean, really, they could have given us some cockpit shots and made it more real in that way or something it just seems superfluous yeah it's it's i mean it's a very star wars thing and i think that's like the biggest like like star trek is capital ships like you know big submarine star wars is fighter pilots and you know for better for worse those two kind of tones help distinguish two large franchises so i it, I remember thinking that it's like, oh, that they don't they don't do that very like if nothing else wasn't the Defiant supposed to be that like the yeah, smaller the cruiser ship yeah, yeah highly maneuverable um, go in and blow stuff up ship but you know I'm never going to complain about seeing a galaxy class starship it's just never going to make me angry oh yeah no like I love the idea that there's a wing of galaxy class ships and stuff yeah so these ships are so close together. Well, like, I don't even know why you would stay in formation for that long, you know? Like, not even not in a battle, right? Yeah. Because they need space for their warp fields and... Well, like, the, who, the one thing I would always... I always wish Star Trek had done a little more sharply. That is a great shot, the uh, overhead of the station with the... Yeah, the use of the CGI model has allowed for much more creative um, angles. And it, it looks really neat with the Dominion yeah. ship attached to it. Um, but uh, I would always... I, I wish there had been some clarification as to what navigating and interacting in space is like. Because in my head, I always figured... Like, if this were, you know, the middle of the ocean in the 1600s, you could get from Europe to America with not in, not encountering the enemy fleet until you were almost at your destination be just given the size of the ocean and the options available to you. So it's like because space is so big 
and you're now you're doing it in three dimensions. Like, what if they just went to warp nine in an arc around the ships? Like, like there's so many choices and so many options that it seems like having a pitch battle in deep space would not be possible, let alone worth it. So, like, well, yeah, should... I mean, like the only thing that would be worth it would be um, trying to do enough damage to the other fleet so that they could not garrison worlds or something with the ships. Right. So it, it seems know, so like it's like two armies trying to deplete each other, right. as opposed to you know trying to take over some chunk of space right so it just seems right. like space all of, too big right all of these things should be happening at the destination like I, i'm not saying like it would have probably really really jacked the dramatic arc of the episode if they just got to deep space nine to have the like like you know way of the warrior or something where it was just like a big pitch battle right there the entire time but yeah it just seems like go around like they can't be light years apart and if they are light years they, they can't have ships that close together spanning light years yeah like the, i i think it's just no one's ever because they've never had to and there's no real world example sat down and figured out how the hell you would fight two fleets together in deep space that doesn't just turn into like uh that's not going to be portrayed as like de facto like uh aircraft uh you know fighter jets or something yeah so this scene i like a lot because i've had this nagging irritation in my mind it's like why are they letting the people who are clearly yeah. the resistance have free run of the station communication ability oh you know all this stuff right so i like that damar is pressing on this point and we're at least given some explanation that it's like ducat's hubris or something and um, yeah uh, and I like the character um, stuff that's going on here. You know, Damar is sort of like... He clearly respects Dukat and thinks he has greatness in him, but he sees his flaws and is aware of them. Yeah. You know, uh, and so last episode, when he tried to convince Zial to come to the ops or whatever, you know, he says your father is a great man but he's got great burdens too you know and so like i feel like this this fits with that yeah yeah i agree he's being he's disillusioned somewhat but he wants to cling to the idea of this ducat that can do great things and he wants to help him do great things so it's just it's a really interesting character dynamic well i'll say this uh, since uh his uh, introduction in uh return to grace there it he's really added layers to the characterization. He has an internal life in this yeah. universe. Definitely agree. <sighs> I'm so over Lita. <laughs> I was never under Lita. I'm just way over Lita. <laughs> um, I just, I, I don't buy her. They've never given the character. I mean, I know I've, I've ragged on Chase Masterson a lot, but they've never given the character anything interesting to do. Yeah, I agree. You know, she's always been sort of an irritant, if you ask me. So, you know, this is... Again, it's like, why aren't they just being monitored, you know? <laughs> They're having a conversation in a public place on this station. So, Their so, tones aren't that hushed. So someone should just uh, have, have like a picture, be like computer enhance, and uh, know what's going on. 
They could bug the tables. I definitely like Damar's sort of snottiness with Kira. Too. Oh, it's great. Because, of course, she kicked his ass, which I don't know how much I believe that, but whatever. Um, you know, but I like that he's relishing it. Yeah. And uh, Kira's doing a lot of good acting with her face. Like, she's 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 weighing options, and you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, whatever annoying aspects got us to this point in the story. Yeah. Um, I like the little I, crack at Lita's dress. Like, that's yeah, such a Damar yeah. thing to say. Like, it's such a shitty thing to say, but it's like, he would totally have said it. Why aren't they putting Quark in jail? Like, his brother was the main saboteur, and now all of his friends are also... I, I don't know. I just... It's kind of artificial. Like, maybe they should have thrown in one or two red shirts, too. You know, other civilians. Mm. Okay, so here's going to be an exterior shot that'll annoy me. Like, that ship seems to be really seriously damaged. Are we really supposed to believe that they would just follow orders and let the Federation fleet take pot shots at them until ships got destroyed? Hmm. Anyway, I like that they see it's a trap. I like that, you know, there's just the strategic decision that they got to go for it anyway. Um, and I like the idea of a galaxy class wing. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Too close. Guys, space it out a little bit, you know? Well, it's like they went a little... Uh, because they can do this with CGI now, they didn't have to worry about the matte line problems of that many layers. Oh, God, that is a beautiful shot, though. I could yeah. watch that all day. Though, that is... Th those are capital ships, dude. They don't stop very quickly. Like, that is that that is just a traffic jam right there. Yeah. Um, it, I think they should have had ships crash into each other or, you know... These scenes are okay, you know, like they they sort of narrate the battle that we're watching in these effects shots, and so it, it works, but to some degree it's just like people shouting stuff. Well, it, it, it's marking time, like the battle has to happen, it can't not happen, we know this is what's happening. I love this scene, I love this line, <laughs> it is just one of my favorites. Oh god, I want to be able to act as well as that man, he just... Which one? Uh, Wayoon. Well, either of them, but just the way he says, perhaps if you didn't talk so much, your mouth wouldn't get so dry. It's just, it, it's just so good. <laughs> well, I think Marco Limo's doing some great stuff, too. The way he laughs, because he knows Wayoon holds him in contempt. We know that's something both of these actors are great at. Like, there's the line on the page, and then there's the clear sense of what the right, like, Lesser actors would just have them saying these lines, you know? But there's subtext inside what they're both saying. And as far as I know, neither of them are, like, diehard Trekkies. Um, so it's not like they're necessarily... Something I've noticed when, when I see actors speak at the conventions, they almost go out of their way to not get too wrapped up in the larger mythos so it doesn't, like, over-inform their acting because their character doesn't know everything, everything. 
Yeah. Um, so the, the way they can just suffuse the scene with, here's what I'm saying, here's what I mean, here's what I mean about what I'm saying, like just that subtext just really sings in these, co- where the two actors can really play off each other, where it's like, I know what you're thinking, and you know I know, and I know you know I know, and it's just, like, if you put them both in togas and set it in ancient Rome, or put them both in cloaks and set it in, you know, Europe or Game of Thrones, it would work just as well. Oh, these could absolutely absolutely be two scheming Roman senators right now. It would work just as well. You know, so I love this dialogue. I love that Wayun is acknowledging how unbelievably difficult it should be to hold such a vast swath of space. Um, I just wish they would have done this stuff, you know? Like showed us an occupation of a federation planet right yeah that would have been a fun story well it would have been an interesting counterpoint to the occupation of bajor and could have lent an obvious connection it's like here we have resistance fighters you know who are informing people who were living in paradise about how to resist you know and so they talk about it and it tantalizes me so much and i want to see that story and I just know it's not going to happen. Well, it's like once they put, like, especially later on, they use the occupation of Beta Z for other interesting dramatic consequences, but seeing it would have been cr- yeah. awesome. Put us there. I mean, shit, having Betazoid resistance fighters who are reading the minds of people. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would even be able to stomach the idea of, uh, <laughs> you know, like Cisco leading a. Uh, you know a a group to beta z you know like that kind of stuff irritates me it's like why is our crew going way the hell across the galaxy because they're the only ones who could do this job i would have put up with it to give us scenes like that oh i think it would have been watching like counselor troy lead a lead a mission to rescue her mother would have been fine with me oh sure so yeah uh this scene gives us an interesting window into Ducat's psyche. Um. Just, like, I have the sound off because we're doing the podcast and I'm just watching with subtitles, but so I'm just watching his face. Like, his voice is so distinctive, you forget he's so good at facial expressions. Like, that is just straight-up mockery on his face. It's ill... It's, it's like, intentionally ill-disguised contempt. And so, here we have Odo. This is one plotline I feel was sorely underdeveloped um, it's like yeah. it was such an interesting thing to have Odo become this sort of detached uh, you know above it all yeah. alien Yeah. Like to if, then walk it back within like five minutes of screen time yeah. was just really disappointing yeah yeah the bigger sin is next episode when they repair his relationship with Kira in an undisclosed scene in a closet. Drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, I also feel like the female founder royally overplayed Oh, I was about to say, yeah, like, yeah, you can't dangle her life in front of him, I mean. Well, this woman has linked with the guy, for crying out loud. Yeah. She knows exactly what he feels about her, and so she knows that she's basically forcing him to turn on their cause. 
you know it, yeah it's it's bizarre logic <laughs> like i guess i get what they were going for you know it's like she thought she was sealing the deal and making him return by cutting his last connection but it, it just it shows such a lack of understanding like she would have had to have presented it as a fait accompli like she would have had to have already had done it you know yeah that's a neat shot of the Miranda class ships being yeah wrecked. They're they're doing a good job with the internal structure of the ship. Like I know they're not blowing up mo- models, I believe, but it looks like it. They have that like yeah. the inter the interior structure looks really well done. Oh, so it's clear that they you know spent their money on the the CGI. Um, I'll say this: as tightly as these ships are grouped, and as rapid and chaotic as the action. God, we do this every time. Um, it just there is it's there's still at least a a sense of progression and arc to the scene, like like what starts as just the fighters making passes. Now the ships are more intermingled. Like I still feel like there's a sense of direction to this battle from an yeah. artistic cinematographic standpoint, one which Abrams and company would have been well served to analyze. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that. I this that. is one of my favorite shots in the entire series. Like the, like if nothing else, I always like when all three dimensions of space get used. So the Klingons coming in at an angle looks great. Yeah, with the sun in the background, sure, I agree. Uh, presumably that's Bajor's sun, or or not, because they're gonna say they go to warp. Yeah, to get to yeah, I'd say they're in some other not. Yeah. And I, I like the sh- I like someone remember to get a shot of Dax's face. Well done, well acted. Like it's a it's quiet. It's it doesn't derail the moment, but it's like oh right, that makes sense that she would have a positive reaction to Worf showing up like that. It's just it's little stuff like that that makes a makes a good scene. No other ships made it really <laughs> with that many ships. So how do you feel about the sort of like time pressure aspect? Um, it's it's better achieved than most um Star Trek or science fiction breakdowns. Well, at least it's not time pressure in a time travel story. But right, right. I do have uh, relativistic time distortion questions about we only have three hours to get there. Well, at what speed? <laughs> <laughs> is it really three hours, or is it five hours, or is it one hour? You know, based on how fast you're going. So yeah, so Zial, Quark. I, I like these Quark scenes. I think. Yeah, he, he's he's so good. Like Armin Shimmerman just makes everything sing. And I'll I'll say this: Melanie Smith has done a great job making the Zial character what she needed to be—a pleasantly likable every person. Like the 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 punch that's coming here only lands if you're like. Oh, that makes me sad. And I think she gets that. She gets us there with that character. It's like, she's a nice girl that some shitty stuff has happened to, and you kind of and you like her. She's she's like a nice girl next door, and that and she lands that. So, yeah, I I don't think the character is interesting, almost at all. <laughs> and so, it's entirely the actress that, you know. Yeah. Well, they don't really dig it. They do it a little bit in that first episode um, of Return to Grace, where it's like she wants to be a resistance fighter with her father. But then they kind of pull away from that. The girl spent her formative years as slave labor. She should really be a little more traumatized. Just throwing that out there. But yeah, like the actress makes such a 
likable person that you, you just kind of go with what they're going with, I guess. That is some weak sauce on the fake food. That that does not that looks know. like it, it looks, looks like, it looks like I don't a, know if it's a souffle how they got it out of the ramekin. Though. Yeah, seriously, it, it looks like a like a throw pillow. Why not just use a tricorder? Sorry, sorry, I'm just. You know they used that trick in um, the search when they like fake did it to when they did it to like fake Eddington. Just feel like they should be ready for that. I feel like this dialogue, it's not the kind of stuff they should be saying. Yeah, it's the kind of stuff you would dramatize people saying. Like, it feels very stagey. Well, it just seems strategically not recommendable. I mean, not this stuff, but... Why don't they just kill him? Right, why not just shoot? Yeah. Well, they shouldn't care. You know? Right, right. They should be willing to die, and so one of them would easily get a kill shot while the other got vaporized. You know? Yeah. So it's almost... Oh, it's not credible that that Quark could take out two Jem'Hadar. It's just not. But they're playing this for like the comic relief of the larger episode, so I guess if that's the... If that's the... Uh... Uh, what's the if that's the job here I guess it's doing it <laughs> I like that at least they didn't open the cells yeah because they shouldn't care yeah so the comic relief I mean it works because Quark's a good actor yeah he definitely seems uh, you know I swear, if I were to, if I were making holding cells, I would make it so that if you shot the panel, it would make It'd them not turn forever. off, like make them unable to be turned off. It just seems like a really obvious flaw. <laughs> yeah, uh, they do that in Star Wars too. Yeah, that's a funny note. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. I agree. You know, maybe that I was just thinking maybe the solution could have been uh, he she tells she lies to him and says that she's already dead and sees if that will push him far enough away. And then Wayun coming in and accidentally blowing the cover could have been the snap back. That might have been dramatically more interesting. I think I agree with you. It would have been more interesting if he thought she were dead. Yeah. And there could have been some sort of, you know, two ships passing in the night type plot contrivance you know it's like will he find out in time right, to do right. x yeah like this just isn't that interesting well this also feels like she has to know he's going to help her like now don't get me wrong we've laid some groundwork where she says her relationship with odo is more important than the entire war in the alpha quadrants and on some level i suppose i believe that sentence they are a bit monomaniacal when it comes to each other but she has to know she's materially imperiling the war effort on the station by letting Odo roam free yeah yeah now now like I said if that given that they at least laid some groundwork I don't mind it over much 
but it's, agree. St it's still I a agree. thing. One thing I do mind is the what's going to come up here because it has specifically been mentioned on numerous occasions that the Bajoran security forces are unarmed and they're being kept unarmed, you know, purposely by the Cardassian uh, crew, right? And so Odo and his security forces with Bajoran phasers, because that's what Rom says, uh, have taken out the Jem'Hadar. Huh? Wait, I thought they... Did they say that they're unarmed? That uh, that they... No, I know, like, when yeah, they Yeah, they got had, them... like, a half-episode-long argument about whether the Bajorans would get weapons. I thought they resolved it that, like, Odo basically agreed to be on the council if they got their weapons back. Uh, maybe that was the case. We'll check. Um... Anyway... It, none of it obviates the issue yeah. that you mentioned. You know, it's like it's so clear that Odo is going to turn on them. Like, why would they give him access to the Bajoran security personnel? Why would why would they allow them to roam the station with their weapons? You know, it, how how could they possibly? Uh, <laughs> It's a Cardassian station. They've got sensors. They've got the ability to lock down anything and everything. I just, I feel like they undercooked this resistance aspect. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And so, I mean, this is just going to be sort of my criticism of a lot of stuff. It's like, it just feels like there was like one too many storylines. And... If they could have just had 10% more time per good storyline to really flesh it out in a way that would, I don't know, really impress the you know detail-oriented tightwads like me, I, I just would have liked it. Yeah. <laughs> How I do you feel the, about him having the baseball? I love it. It tickles me. Of course he does. <laughs> I love the way he throw like he doesn't. It's those he tiny. He play baseball. Well, the, yeah, the way he's throwing it from hand to hand is not the way Cisco does or anyone who's ever played baseball does. Like, there's a way he's holding it. Like his index finger is just in the wrong spot. It's something hard to specifically articulate, but it's there. It's not a natural motion, but it's like yeah, it's like an alien holding a baseball. Oh, it's great. Like I don't know when they teach. I don't know what class that is at Juilliard, but you know. <laughs> I don't like this whole, like, waiting thing. I mean, I like the fact that they didn't solve the problem. Yeah, you know, yeah. That they failed. But the fact that it was like a stage wait. Right, right. made it so close. Yeah. I like both the close-up I'd effect. rather they fail because, you know, they got caught in a firefight or something. Um, but I will say, I like the effect in the close-up of the minefield, and then, like, the faraway, like, cloud behind the station. I thought both effects worked pretty well. Sure. Definitely. Okay. Uh, and now, be now begins the last third of the episode. <sighs> I mean, it's, not to spoil it for anyone, but it's literally a deus ex machina. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, literally. Deus Ex wormhole, I guess. Like, like yeah. just seriously. Like, <laughs> there were some day in their machina. Like, there's just no more literal way. Yeah. Uh, and that being said, it's like they they uh, let, we'll 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 dissect the dialogue later when we get to it, but we're gonna be yeah. They've been sabotaged. How can that be? Says Wayun. What the fuck were you doing for the past month, Wayun? <laughs> Letting all these people who are obviously the bad guys have free run of the station. You know, it just. If Wei Yun is there to be a check and balance on Dukat, how could he have not have checked and balanced Dukat? So I find it interesting that they're like flying information in this wormhole. I don't know. Um, I've never been a fan of the wormhole effects. I've always found them weird, video toastery, you know, sort of strange blobs and bloops and stuff. I don't mind the um, the tunnel. Um, just never been a fan of these prophet scenes. I don't. I, I'm trying to. I'm hard pressed to remember one we liked. I don't think I've ever liked prophet scene. The white background only worked when it was cute. <laughs> <laughs> do you think maybe it has something to do with the fact that it's the other actors? Yeah, it's like you're you're just trying to keep so much straight. Like if it were one actor, that might or help. One, well, or also one effect. Here, the dialogue would make more sense in, you know, sequence. Uh, I think my other problem is that by ha casting it as these, like, washed out... Like, like, okay, I get what you're trying to say, is that the prophets are ineffable, and his human brain is assigning random people he knows yeah. to interact with them. First, why would it just be these people? Why not other people he's met in his life? Um, well, they should have just made it Kai... Opaka. Kai Opaka. Oh, that'd be great. Um, but also, just so it's like watching Marco Lemo or Limo not act like Gul Dukat, but just act kind of sedate and distant, highlights how boring it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I appreciate that the actors are putting an obvious different gloss on things, but it kind of distracts me from the message. Um, are they in a runabout? No, they're on the they're No, on they're the, on the Defiant yeah. Bridge. Okay. So they have every right to interfere with Cisco's life. We don't know why yet. <laughs> but we'll find out. And we're not going to be happy. We're not. Um... Well, from Deus Ex Machina to Retcon, I suppose. Yeah. I like the fact that he's challenging them on, you know, caring about Bajor. So I don't, I don't mind this dialogue, you know, I just, I feel like the prophets should have refused <laughs> because having them destroy the other fleet is such a deus ex machina. It's yeah. just... It, it robs it of some t uh, of some tension. But, well, I mean, and then they try to say, 
there's a price, but it's never really articulated what that price is or what's changed about Cisco's life now. Well, so, you know, I get the feeling that the scene with Admiral What's-His-Name, you know, where he's talking about building his house on Bajor and stuff, it was sort of... They sort of had to wedge that in there to set this up. The Cisco is of Bajor, but he will find no rest there. So, I mean, there, there are echoes of, like, Moses never reaching the Promised Land and things like that. Well, also, um, and, and, and if nothing else, the idea that Cisco's choices can change Cisco's destiny seems to belie the fact that they don't exist linear in, in corporeal time. Like, like Don't like, they already know that they're going to agree? Right, right. <laughs> so it's one of those, like, there was a way to do this if you wanted to have, like, a sharper... Like, like, what if they said, we'll, like, if it had been a little sharper, like, we'll stop the fleet by shutting down the wormhole, the thing you tried and failed to do, but then that could have repercussions for the Federation and the Bajorans. Like, yeah. the, the price to pay was being cut off from them. Like, no, it's an interesting ethical dilemma. It's like, will you save the Federation by robbing an entire world of its gods? Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> That's a question. Because they actually have literal gods. You know, we've established that. There's no need to be faithful as a Bajoran. You actually have gods that talk to you. you know, you've got orbs and who the hell knows what. And here is those gods having a door totally shut on them. Like, it, it even would have been an interesting, like, like they could have tied the emissary role in a knot where it's like, well, now you're done. You've done the thing you came here to do, or, like, we've... Well, and, sorry to interrupt you, but, no, 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 no. you know, if, they had, if he had shut the wormhole, then everybody on Bajor could go from loving the emissary to hating him. Right, right. Which would also be super interesting, because he just got used to being loved, and right. now he has to get used to being All right, reviled, I'll say right? this. My biggest problem, aside from any, uh, I love Wayun. Um, aside from any, time to start packing. Uh, aside from any sort of, do how do I feel about Deus Ex Machina as a plot device? Those scenes are just so boring. Yeah, they so, really derail the momentum. Of so whatever I feel about it now, we're done and we're back in a super fun part of the episode. Watching Ducat have a breakdown is super fun. And you know what? I'm kind of with Ducat in a way. Like, he didn't actually do anything wrong. Wrong. Okay, he was a dick to his daughter. <laughs> yeah, Ducat has every right to be like, what the hell just happened in this episode? Right. Like, I kind of share your disorientation, sir. And <laughs> your incredulity makes sense. <laughs> Why are they leaving the station? Because the, the uh, Rom succeeded in disabling the weapons, but not in time to stop them from detonating the minefield. And well, the, but so far, it's only the Defiant that's gotten through. Well, they just said the... Other the fleet is are, coming, I know that, yeah. but what about the rest of the Dominion fleet? Right, like, why not just have the fleet fall back why, to the Why doesn't the, the war just come this way? Yeah.
Uh, I love Jeffrey Combs. I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> he's so delightful. Yeah. He'll join us one day. Yeah, we really fucked up this situation. But it'll all work out. It, her detachment seems arbitrary. Sometimes she's detached, sometimes she seems to care. And I guess she's inscrutable in that way, but eh. Yeah, this this is good. You know, I I like that this is his last straw, his last you know yeah. sort of yeah 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 tender shoot to grasp at before going off the cliff. I think this would have been enough. Her rejecting yeah. him. Yeah. And they didn't have to go where they're about to go. And you know I don't care about the character. Right, so right. It's, well, it's I, not I, I forget. Like, how it, could you do this? It just... Uh, was it Marco Alimo himself, when we saw him at the convention, who suggested the better story resolution would be having Ducat while going crazy, killing Zial himself, and then having... Like, if he, shot, if he was the one who shot her and then had the exact same freak out, that would have worked dramatically for me. Like, he would have... I agree. I agree. Um, having Damar do it feels like a, almost a cop-out. Um, I, I also, I just, it, oh, Demar has to know that Ducat is not going to be pleased by this, you know, it's like he really expects him to come with now. Yeah, but... yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 it's almost like tropish. It's like it, it, it's like you know, you're sitting in the trench and everyone's talking about how the girl they have back home and how they're going to raise chickens on their farm. And like as soon as you finish saying that, sends the sniper bullet hit. It, it just. That being said, this character was done. There was nothing more for this character to do, you know. Like yeah, that I being said, that. they could have sent her to art school on Bajor or something, but you know. Yeah, she wasn't that interesting in the first place. There weren't going to be interesting stories to tell with her, so fine. I, but yeah, I think the suggestion of having Ducat killer would have been better. Either inadvertently or advertently. Right. Had he shot her and then screamed no in exactly the same sequence of events would have been entirely dramatically justified. Uh, whatever else we have, whatever other problems we have about the writing, they at least have chemistry. <laughs> They're really going to do a Hollow Suite program in one hour? Like, they literally just walked onto the station. <laughs> Does, doesn't the doctor have to, like, I don't know, clean up sick bay or something? <laughs> the infirmary. I like Garrick's clothes. Yeah, I would. I would wear that. That's I mean, a neat look. I mean, Browns don't look that good on me, but 
because of my coloring, but no, it's a it's a nifty yeah, look. Yeah, you had Cardassian coloring in you. Yeah. I like the way Robinson plays it. There's there's an affection, but a detachment, and like it's he's he, well, he's seen enough death. Yeah. You know? I I enjoy that they went balls out crazy with Ducat because Alimo is a good enough actor to carry it. Um, they'll have like. The places they'll go with this are super fun for me, so I'm I'm happy to have him have a psychotic break with reality. Yeah, well, it makes sense. He's such a sort of delusional character in the first place. I mean, he's got delusions of grandeur. To have those delusions shattered should send him into a different set of delusions. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> the eyebrow. Um, all right, well, so Federation is back on the station. Holosuite programs will be had. Uh, like, why didn't the Dominion trash the station on the way out? Right? Yeah. Why didn't they destroy it? Yeah. You know? Why didn't Dukat destroy it? Why didn't the Cardassians destroy it? I just... I, I have a lot of questions. Well, the one interesting... Uh, something I just thought about now, and it's funny, after having watched this, you know, a million times over the last, you know, 20 years almost, is assuming that the... Um, uh, Domin uh, the Prophet's protection is indefinite in nature. Deep Space Nine is no longer... I mean, I guess it's still near the Cardassian border, but it's not really the epicenter of the war anymore it should or at least it shouldn't be because it was it's it was the point at the wormhole that made it so valuable if the wormhole is effectively closed to dominion traffic for the foreseeable future then what's the point of having deep space nine just something to think about but yeah so in terms of writing i'll, I'll say it this way did i always assume they were getting the station back yes do I feel like the six episodes I just watched made it feel sufficiently earned? Also, yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, well, with the exception of the Deus Ex Machina, I, you know, I would much rather the fleet have gotten through, you know, and been like, well, we got the station back, but uh oh, you know, I don't know. Right, like maybe they could hold the station, but the reinforcements get through, or or, or something. Um, in the end, I, I think having the Deus Ex Machina makes it so that all of that purported tension we were supposed to feel about the minefield was just kind of wasted. I I get that. Yeah, like I'm not. I love these six episodes collectively. I thoroughly enjoyed watching them the first time. I enjoy watching them again. But I'm not going to put too much of my 
uh, finite time on this earth uh, into defending the Deus Ex Machina because it's largely indefensible. Like they, you almost wonder if like if the emissary stuff were better developed and better paid off, much like say the final five Cylon thing in in Battlestar, I might have felt better about. Like had there been a real consequence for Cisco, like well, and a real consequence right away. Right. You know? It's like he like maybe so, he should be insane too. Right. So uh, like he. He's eventually going to be unable to retire on Bajor. Does not feel like a sufficiently harsh trade-off to save yeah. the entire Federation. Yeah. So, and and I'll say this: I I think gun to Ron Moore's head on the day this episode aired, he would not have been able to answer for me what is the consequence for Cisco because they hadn't written it yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah. I think having the prophets intervene could be interesting. It just was not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, so all that said, on a writing level, there were a lot of fun scenes, uh, especially Dukat Wayun scenes. Um, the battle scenes on the Defiant Bridge were kind of just like, well, gotta show this now, if you ask me. I get, yeah, uh, I get, like, yeah, I get that. The conspiracy. You know, resistance scenes, meh. It, it's a it's a very action heavy show, in some ways, and maybe I'm betraying my Trekkie, you know, true true believer Trekkie <laughs> credentials here, but you know, action's just not the most interesting thing to me. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned Game of Thrones. You know, Game of Thrones can have a lot of action stuff too, and there are just times when I'm just kind of, it's like I'm over it. Get back to the interesting part. Get back to the, you know, political maneuvering and machinations, and you know, people being arch with each other, and right. You know, it's like that's what I'm interested in, and so like I know they have to show it, right? It's they they built it up. They have to show it, but I'd much rather just watch. Dukat and Wayun talk about it, <laughs> you know, or have a, a real ethical choice, you know. Yeah. The, my favorite scenes in the franchise are conference scenes, you know. It's like uh, I know this isn't an episode that's great, but uh, the episode with Nagilam, what's it called? Uh, where a silence has lease. Where a silence has lease, you know? It's just like the five-minute conversation in Picard's quarters, listening to classical music, you know? It's like those scenes are so much more evocative to me. Or the scene in Pen Pals where they debate, you know, whether or not they should save this world, right? And so, like, I know there's a battle. I know the Dominion's coming. It's like all this stuff is theoretically interesting. I just don't know that it's the best use of your time to show us, you know, 10,000 ships fire at 10,000 other ships because that's not really what the franchise is about, you know? I feel like the franchise is much more about people weighing different outcomes and arguing with each other and trying to advocate for the best solution. And yes, you have to show us the solution to some degree, but... 
maybe this just comes down to me being a fan of a certain kind of Star Trek and them going for consciously a different kind of Star Trek. You know, it's like we're going to do a war Star Trek. And so it just strikes me as weird to have war, war, war. Um, but you know what? They're going to, when they get to statistical probabilities, that's going to be the kind of episode that really, you know, floats my boat. It's conversations about war with interesting ethical hooks and dilemmas and, you know, quandaries and things. Um, so I, I, I guess I'm just kind of yearning for more of that stuff here. Uh, so I guess that's my writing note. There, there are a lot of fun scenes. They're sandwiched in between just sort of, well, here's an action scene. That's at least what I'm feeling. I was never thrilled by the action, you know? Like, I was impressed by the visuals, but I wasn't thrilled in a story sense by the action. I'm just reviewing uh, the notes on Memory Alpha, and there's a quote here from Irish Stephen Bear uh, that in relevant part indicates that they explicitly chose a deus ex machina uh, to indicate... Uh, to, uh, uh, okay, we, are, we, we just accused them of uh, unpainting themselves from a corner with the deus ex machina ending, and he indicates here that they did not, that this was a conscious choice to escalate the relationship between Cisco and the prophets, that they would not have done this for someone else, and that it's supposed to eventually, uh, sp- it eventually is supposed to pay off in discovering that Cisco is part prophet. I will retract. Okay, cl- okay. I accuse them of doing it thoughtlessly. They did it thoughtfully. It still doesn't work. It's a bad decision. Yeah. No, I, but oh. yeah, I'll I'll fully believe that it was thoughtful, but to end something that you've built for like two seasons with it is not. Yeah. Yeah. N- not a very good choice. And you know, to be fair, they're not ending the Dominion War with it. You know, at least they didn't go that far. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Thank God. Um, so now it's just the Federation versus what's what of the Dominion is on the Alpha Quadrant side. Um, yeah. I feel like the the Cisco Bajor Prophet stuff has been such an afterthought until two episodes ago that it it doesn't strike. And as as we've both said, the consequences are not at least in part immediately evident um that it just it falls flat yeah i agree you could be forgiving you could be forgiven for thinking that it's pointless we know it's not pointless whether or not we believe that it was planned you know that's beside the point uh the person watching this episode could be completely forgiven for for just being like what the fuck (laughs) why did i just watch the last six episodes you know, if you're going to end it this way. Um, yeah. It was really disappointing, the Deus Ex Machina. Okay, well, acting-wise, as we've said many, 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 many times, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Combs, Marco Limo, uh, can't go wrong. Yeah. Know? They've never steered us wrong. It's always been enjoyable. It was enjoyable this episode. Um, you know, I, I kind of wish we would have gotten more Wayun. Uh, like, we got to see Ducat 
crumble, right? Yeah. It would have been interesting to see the, the contrast with Wayun. I mean, there was the one line, you know, time to start packing, you know, but maybe show us more. Um, and we will get, we will eventually get that follow up with some fun stuff with him interacting with Damar. So it's not like we get nothing, but I, yeah, like I had they done an entire episode, like they kind of did it with uh, behind the lines where the focus was more on the station. But had they just done like, um, like you know what they did with uh, in a mirror darkly. Uh, on Enterprise, where they just told the Mirror Universe story from inside the four walls of the Mirror Universe. Had they just given us a 45-minute episode in which we focused on Wayun as the main character and the protagonist of that story, it might be my favorite episode of Star Trek. Oh, it would certainly be my favorite episode of Deep Space Nine, if that were the case. Uh, yeah, totally. Holy crap. I mean, because you could tell all the, you know other characters' stories through the lens of Wayun, and it would just be so interesting. Like, um, it would be great to see how he perceives them. Like, like is, is Jake, like, super more annoying to Wayun than he... <laughs> <laughs> well, so In the Cards was a little bit like that. Yeah. Know? Um. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they could do a, the conclusion of an arc from Wayun's perspective, but I just would have liked five minutes of yeah. Wayun's denouement compared to Descartes' denouement. Um, so they were both great. Uh, yeah, I think Nana Visitor was good. Uh, there was a lot of good stuff she did. I, I really liked Casey Beggs. Um, yeah. Didn't agree with the writing decision of having him shoot ZL. Yeah. But I, I bought it. I yeah. bought where yeah. he was coming from based on the acting. Uh I liked his scenes with Marco Limo. On the Federation side of things, I gotta say the best was probably uh, Aaron Eisenberg. Yeah. Uh, or Andrew Robinson, one of those two. But the rest of the crew kind of fell flat for me. I mean, not bad, just didn't stick out. Yeah. Although, you know, Avery Brooks. <laughs> the prophet scenes are not good, <laughs> but Avery Brooks was pretty good in them. Uh, you know, I believed his investment in Bajor, and I don't think he horribly overacted it. Yeah, there was there was no. It's not linear. Well, um, thank heaven for small favors. What about Salome Jens? How'd you feel about? Adequate, not extraordinary. Her kind of usual, cool-voiced self. Yeah. At, I don't know what kind of notes she's being given from directors and writers. You know, it's like, don't don't show us what's going on, right? Yeah. Because she's not. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas René Auberjonois is trying. He's not being given enough dialogue to show us what's going on but his face is kind of showing us so I appreciate that uh, you know Chase Masterson Max Grudenchik you know could just as easily be cut from the episode and I wouldn't care uh, yeah I guess that's all I have to say about the acting 
So two great guest performances, adequate main cast performances. Um, boy, that's a kind of a refrain we've been hearing a lot. <laughs> what with Mark Lamo and uh, Jeffrey Combs. Production values? Um, I, dis- I I will stipulate that the ships do appear too close together to actually do their jobs, but I kind of... I guess the trade-off is for the technology available and to give a sense of movement to the battle, you wouldn't have the ships so far apart that all you saw were, like, dots in the background. Yeah. Like, you couldn't yeah. do it. Like, it would require a radically different camera set up either physically or digitally than what the show is capable of so like between making the battle and there's been plenty of times where we have criticized the show for not having enough starships running around absolutely so i'll take this problem over the other because they look good and it's fun to watch them um and and i'll say this like i've said before like for way of the warrior and call to arms there is a sense of scope and scale and movement and direction these feel directed so i'll I'll certainly credit them i agree entirely it was fun to watch. The effects were super well done. It was simply a choice yeah. to show them being that dense on the screen. If it were my choice, I would have tried to make it 30% less dense. Yeah. Still having a lot of ships on the screen. Maybe focusing for a little bit longer on a given ship. Um, you know, like some of the damage shots and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to impeach the technical... Uh, prowess of the effects it's merely a sort of directorial or artistic decision you know to to layer them to that degree um it was always easy to keep track of the hero ships you know and to to follow them through the action um i could have done completely without the, the the fighters yeah but again it wasn't badly done it's just a choice that didn't do it for us yeah uh you know the station stuff i kind of yeah i really wish they would have trashed the station (laughs) i think well i just think it would have added a feel you know kind of like escaping saigon you know at the end of vietnam that kind of thing um You know, the the scenes on the Defiant Bridge, yeah, shaky cam, or not shaky cam, but like space acting and, you know, fireworks in the consoles and stuff. So it's all pretty been there, done that. They, yeah. did, they didn't do anything uh, amazing. I really think Bashir should have been in sickbay so that we could have seen some, you know, battle damage makeup or something. Yeah. I think that might have added more to the feel of, hey, there's an actual war going on, than him reading off shield percentages. Huh? <laughs> Don't they have other people on this ship that can do that? Yeah. I, I... They never had McCoy reading off shield numbers. <laughs> they never had, you know, Crusher reading off shield numbers, unless she was actually in command of the damn ship. So I just, I just feel like the writers have gotten lazy with Bashir yeah so in the balance uh, I enjoy this as much as I enjoy episodes we give a four in turn like 
with that with the exception of that five minutes in the wormhole but yeah. i don't want to give them too big a pass on what we both agree is a dramatically dud decision um this would have been a four without the deus ex machina yeah I'll, I'll i'll say this i think this episode is a three but the arc is a four i agree with that like uh, if if we were giving a separate score for the sum to, for the, and i think this is a good example like looking back over our uh ratings i think uh we gave the season opener a what did we is that the only one we gave the because let's see favor the bold got a six behind the lines got a six sons and daughters got a five rocks and trolls got a seven time to stand got an eight so it's skimming in with the six um what does that work out to be uh eight plus seven plus five plus six plus six plus six it's 38 30 so i'm doing math live on the podcast uh yeah so it comes in at a 6.3 for the uh, with the with the six i assume you're giving this episode a three as well yeah okay so a 6.3 for the opening arc but it feels like an eight like if i said are you dropping sons and daughters no that's a six three with sons and daughters because we gave that a five so the average would be higher without sons and daughters oh yeah um which we both agree is entirely cuttable from the arc it should just be a five episode arc uh, uh given what they do in sons and daughters it's just yeah it pointless. would be a, it'd be a six six without sons and daughters yeah so yeah so and look this isn't just hard math here you know there there's something to be said for something being more than the sum of its parts you know it's uh yes a lot of the parts are sixes individually but i'm completely comfortable with the idea that taken together they're more than a six you know they're they're more than average um <laughs> this could have been a four <laughs> It, it, it would never have been a five because it doesn't have those things that I like most. And that's, you know, the, a real quandary, a real dilemma, a real, you know, choice, a real argument, a real set of characters arguing for one position over another. You know, like, that that's what does it for me. Um, but the action was cool. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. If it just hadn't been resolved by the wormhole aliens snapping their fingers it would have been a four um so yeah yeah it's it's not just me is it it's not just me dragging your ratings down is it kevin no uh, your 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 criticisms are valid i occasionally find them to be less successfully weighty um i like i take the ding i like i just ding it less for like what you like i i agree that it's a problem i just don't give it as much it's not as big a uh, deduction um as you give it but no like the the criticism that they solved an otherwise really super duper interesting arc with the deus ex machina is a valid complaint so yeah there we are well i know that in my mind season six is really good and i think what's really good about it is the later episodes that follow this arc you know it's like the arc served a function of making it feel big 
but it didn't necessarily do the best job at each individual point in the arc of doing that. Yeah. It's later episodes that kind of pay off, it seems to me. Yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, well, uh, do I? Uh, I mean, I really like this arc. I enjoy watching it. Like, if I'm going to watch in Deep Space Nine, there's a good chance the this arc will be, I'll just start it while I'm, you know, doing dishes and doing laundry and sitting around my apartment for the afternoon, and this will just be what is on my TV for the afternoon. Um, but there are... Uh, I would agree, though, that the highest rated episodes of season six are yet to come. Yeah, well, I think there are... It- at least in my memory, the the siege one and the you know statistical probabilities these are the ones that really do it for me, um, and they benefit from this arc having occurred. You know, I think what would have made this better for me is a deeper exploration of Odo, his alienness. Yeah, I agree you know, with that. Whether he actually is on board with the founders like to actually have him turn and then make an argument to his former friends that this is really the best way to go would have been really interesting you know i would agree with that he should be convinced and then he should try to convince us that would really raise the stakes for the characters yes of course it would completely negate the possibility of odo hooking up with kira (laughs) as it should you know but my point is, it's very interesting to have a character side with the enemy, you know? But also have good reasons for it, you know? I would love to hear the argument for the Dominion. You know, it, part of the problem, I think, is that they just come off as an aggressively expansionistic force. But I, I'd like to hear the argument that they make the lives of their subject world's better you know yeah and it's a pretty tough argument of course if you're putting them up against the federation which has been at least offered as a utopia uh there have been two episodes that have challenged it you know one terribly horrible episode like he who is without sin but another uh with the ayn randians uh you know or whatever they're supposed to be back to nature ayn rand cult uh which was interesting and then Homefront paradise lost you know like that threw an interesting wrinkle into the federation utopia it's like like make the argument you know actually turn him have him be a bad guy for a season you know or if not a bad guy an ambivalent guy i don't know that would have been much more interesting to me and so I was, like, really interested when he switched. But then he switched back in, like, half an episode. Lame. That's lame. It's yeah. just lame. Yeah, it's it's too fast. I agree. Still, like, we're picking at the faults of an otherwise good episode. Like, this is just what's keeping it from being... This isn't what's make... This isn't a bad episode, and we've identified what's making keeping it from being good it's a good episode we've identified what's kept from being very good yeah i agree with that you know i wouldn't give it a three look i thought sons and daughters was shit you know and i gave it a two because i thought it was shit after i was done watching it i i wanted to have not have watched it like i wanted that time back you know 
Whereas this, very enjoyable. You know, it just has a few, you know, deep problems <laughs> uh, that could have easily been fixed, and so they're they're kind of more aggravating for it. Um, yeah, it would be really interesting to sort of really grill guys like Iris Stephen Bear and Ron Moore and just really kind of push them. It's like, why did you do this again? Because um, I wonder if they would have interesting rationales slash excuses. <laughs> and when I say excuses, I mean the sorts of excuses that we often hear with episodic television. It's like, well, we had to do it this way. You know, that was too much too much money, you know, or to make Odo a bad guy would have, you know, really pissed off the networks because then there'd be like 20 episodes of him different than the other 150 episodes, you know, like whatever, right? It's like, I'd be interested to hear those rationales. <sighs> it's frustrating. This episode frustrates me because it's sort of like a really kick-ass balance beam routine and then you know, falling on your ass on the landing. Yeah. Because the landing is the deus ex machina, you know? It's like, here's the resolution. It was all a dream, you know? It's like... It's not that bad. Let's it's not, not that bad, I agree. But it, it, it has that feeling, you know? Um, so, beautiful routine. Really nice technical scores. <laughs> <laughs> and then a duffed landing. Um, that that's I guess that's what gets you a three. <laughs> you know, it's like I recognize that there are a lot of good things about it. Uh, there are just things that keep it from being great. It's solid. It's well done. It's fun to watch. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah, if we were separately grading the last six hours, this would get a four from me. But this uh, forty-five minutes of it uh, gets a three. I agree with that. All right, so that's a six for Sacrifice of Angels and the close of the uh, opening arc of the season. Uh, we'll be back soon with, uh, I think, just a text review of uh, "You Are Cordially Invited." I have lots of thoughts about that one yeah you know it's been so long since i've seen it um that it'll be interesting like i'm kind of not feeling worth <laughs> in the past season or so it's like he started off pretty strong but they've kind of morphed him into a dickwad um you know i don't know we'll see no i i, I appreciate that all right, well, then uh, we will see you uh, next time here at Trekna Babble, and uh, have a good night. Yes, live long and prosper.